This is Steve Kim. Andy Steiger. Welcome to the AC Podcast. On this podcast, we want to help you understand and speak the language of our culture and address questions being asked with intellectual honesty, gentleness, and respect. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the AC Podcast. Uh, Andy and I are back. This doesn't happen very often these days, so this is pretty thrilling. Yeah, it's been a while since we've been on together. Good to good to be with you, Steve. Yeah, as remote as it is, this is nice. Um, How are things today out in balmy Edmonton? <laughs> Actually, it is starting to really warm up. I think the worst is over. The days of minus 30, minus 40 is behind us, I was just going to say, what is... What does warm up mean? Is that like <laughs> negative 10? Yeah. Well, if it's anything like minus five around there, people say it's warm. Um, <laughs> so that's that's sort of our, I guess, standard here. But also because the weather is drier, it actually doesn't feel that cold. Minus five here is a lot easier to deal with than minus five in Vancouver. So, But yeah, tomorrow it's supposed to go up to plus six. So things are starting to melt. Everything is kind of hovering around zero. So things are freezing and thawing. So that creates a headache of its own, but it's much better than minus 30. Um, How are things on your end? Going good. Uh, We are quickly approaching conference. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's busy around here, as you're well aware. Things are coming together Fantastic. This this year's conference has had incredible traction. We've filled up the worship center. So now you can still come out to the conference. Uh, we have made a live stream uh, room available. On site, right? On site. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. It's on site. It's at a reduced price, but you still get access to the whole conference. Uh, it's just you're watching a live video cast of the main sessions. Mm-hmm. But yet you have all the access to the breakout sessions. So you can still come. We've heard lots of uh, people that were wondering about, you know, what what happens now that the worship center is full. But yeah, we'd love for people to come out. And and interestingly, Steve, tickets to the live simulcast are selling quite quickly as well. So okay. those are limited. And once those are gone, that, that's it. There's, we're not making any more space available. So I just encourage yeah. people, if you want to come, you still can, but you should grab those live simulcast uh, tickets as quick as you can. Yeah, get those get those registrations done because um, this year walk up might not be a very feasible option. Um, I'm really looking forward to this conference. I mean, uh, I mean, we say this every year, but I'm looking at the lineup of speakers, but especially the topics, and I'm going, wow, this we really kind of hit it out of the park this year. I guess so, right? Because I was thinking to myself, I was telling somebody the other day, I'm like, why is it so popular? Like, you know, we'll we'll sell out the, you know, or we'll fill up the worship center, you know, each year, but this is quite early to have filled it up two weeks out and we've already sold a lot of live simulcast so 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 i was thinking to myself like clearly we're dealing with topics people are interested in and just so our listeners are aware um when andy looks at the brochure or the program and he says oh man i would go to this that's usually our benchmark for how well the conference is going to do i think i told you that the other day didn't i I was, I was going back through the brochure. I'm like, oh man, like I, I'm excited to be at this conference. It's going to be good. And that's actually a good segue here as we jump into our, our topic. Mm-hmm. The, the session that I'm going to be talking on 
is on the subject of unethical machines. And I'm going to go deeper into that topic uh, at the conference. But today on the podcast, Steve and I came across an article that is really pushing the boundaries of the ethics of our technology and raising some some Black Mirror questions. And if you're unfamiliar with that, on Netflix, there's an interesting show called Black Mirror that kind of looks at the negative side of technology. But yeah, we came across this and we thought, wow, we've got to talk about it. So Steve, why don't you give us a little bit of details of what's coming or what? not, not what's coming, what's here? Yeah, I'm really glad you highlighted that, Andy. This is the sort of science fiction is now kind of a thing. This is not something that we're speculating about But this is the reality that we're dealing with right now, and we're trying to navigate through this reality. So in the country of my birth, South Korea, where technology is developing quite rapidly, and I'd say that technology there in a lot of ways is several years ahead of uh, where we are in Canada and the United States. So this major TV broadcasting corporation called NBC did this series called The Human Documentary. And one of those episodes titled Meeting You uh, follows the story of this mother. Jisung is her name. And she is a mother of four children. But her third one, a daughter by the name of Nayeon, died at the tender age of seven because of leukemia. She was thought to have a cold, and then they found out that she was actually suffering from leukemia. And then like a month after, she passed away. And so then this company, Seoul-based tech company called Vive Studios, decided to reunite this bereaved mother with her deceased daughter by using the virtual reality technology. So because, you know, the mother didn't really have a chance to say a proper goodbye to her daughter and so on and so forth. So when this episode aired, it created a lot of different kinds of reaction. By that, do you mean in South Korea or just in general? In general, or at least, you know, I've been reading different articles written both in Korean and English. So I am aware of the kinds of reactions in Korea and in the English-speaking world. Voices of both praise and concerns, really. And one very prominent reaction coming out of South Korea is, you know, because Koreans have this very, very strong sense of family bond and things like that. I think that reunion in the virtual reality really struck a chord with that Korean sentimentality, if you will. And a lot of people found it really moving. Uh, So when you watch this video, and we'll definitely put a link to it uh, on the show notes, I found it quite concerning. Now, maybe you could tell us what this lady was saying in Korean uh, mm-hmm. as she as she walks virtually into this room, and you see that there's this child hiding, yeah, uh, and, and she's calling for her. Right. Yeah. So that would be Nayeon, right, the daughter that died from leukemia. And just to set the stage too, I mean, th- this is the kind of mindset that the mother is walking into this VR experience with. Uh, in an interview before she had this VR experience, she said this, she said, right now, my youngest are at a similar age as Nayeon, so I can still remember her. But when the youngest turns 30, Nayeon, in a sense, will still be seven. I'm not sure I will be able to remember her still. And she said, 
I hear that those who suffered from depression are more susceptible to dementia, and that worries me. And so this is the kind of mindset that she's walking into this with. I mean, she doesn't want to forget her child, and she didn't really have a chance to say a proper goodbye as her daughter was dying from leukemia and so on and so forth. And you see these two in this park setting. So it turns out that the studio actually recreated the park in virtual reality, the park that the mother and the child used to go to spend time together in. So Vive Studios recreated the park and they recreated Nayeon using a child actor. And, you know, you see her with shoulder length hair and this violet dress. And and you even see her with this purse with Elsa and Anna on it. You know, the characters from Frozen, you know, those kinds of things. And so they put a lot of little like detailed work into it. And so then there is this... Uh, pile of wood and from behind this pile Nayan comes out calling her mommy right and she says hey you know have you been thinking of me and the mother says always I I always think of you and 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 the mother is you know as soon as the mother sees the virtual image of Nayan she starts breaking down right her lips are quivering tears are flowing and she's she's just desperately reaching out to touch her but of course, you know, her hands go right through this image because this is not the real Nyan, right? This is the virtual recreation of it. And so I, I don't know about you, Steve, but when I I couldn't finish watching the video. Uh, I don't know if you made it through the whole thing, but I, I watched for a while, um, but I found it so disturbing. Like, I just couldn't keep watching. It was a mixture of emotions for me as I'm watching this. Uh, and I'm curious for you as well. But for me, I, so first of all, there's just this gut reaction of just pain for this mother because you just, as she's crying and calling out for her child, you just you just feel the weight of her loss. And so that that alone I found disturbing and sad, right? But then on top of that is this moment, as you were describing there, Steve, where the mother and the child are, are looking at each other. And the mother is crying and re- calling out to her and trying to pet her hair and, and her hand is just dissolving through her. And you get this secondary kind of sense of sorrow that she's already lost her, but she's it, this is constant reminder of the loss in this way of trying to pretend that, you know, that she's there. And I, I found it quite disturbing. Uh, what about you? Yeah, um, I found it initially very disturbing because, um, I mean, I didn't get to watch the whole documentary, so I've seen only some of the highlights. And so the main clip that we saw was the climax where the mother actually gets to see Nayeon in this virtual reality, right? And you see the lips quivering and the tears flowing from under the VR goggles and, and her desperate reach for the child and everything. And and all I could think of at that moment, just seeing that was, oh my goodness, like is she experiencing another kind of trauma here? You know? Yeah, I think that's a good way of wording it. You're sensing that this isn't helping, yeah, in fact, one of the reactions online was, oh my goodness, like, did she 
even seek any psychiatric help before she went into this? Did she talk to a counselor or, you know, is this going to hold her back and not allow her to move on? That sort of thing. And mind you, this was a special one-time kind of a thing, right? So I think it's a little bit safer that way. But can you imagine if she could plug into this anytime she wanted? Well, that was my pr- that was the problem I-, I thought, Steve, is I could imagine companies, you know, popping up that especially with how accessible VR is. I've been watching this a little bit on Wired magazine that VR now is a part of filming these days. So if you saw like the movie The Lion King or even the new TV show The Mandalorian, they're using VR more and more in the filming. And so if you watch those, you know, movie or show and you see how real that is, that's the level of VR that we're capable of. We're, you know, it's these days, you know, that's the direction movies and TV shows are moving is that they're filmed with VR cameras, right? And you're setting up camera shots within this VR world. And so I'm just thinking to myself, I mean, okay, so you've got the technology's there, the quality of the technology is there. And you could imagine people in their loss kind of signing up for this going, okay, like, you know, here's my dad I lost, or here's my child I lost, or my husband I lost. And, you know, and for a fee, they can create this conversation that you can have, you know, with them on their birthday, or, you know, whatever that might be. And you can't help but ask, and and I think this is interesting, by the way, that for the first time, humanity is asking, is this a good thing for us? People in the past weren't asking these sorts of questions. Maybe they were in other ways if they're trying to use spiritual mediums or whatever to talk with past relatives. In some ways, I guess you could say this is a repackaged form of ancestral worship or something to that degree. Actually, this one Korean commentator, she made this exact point saying that, you know, this is really not that different from, you know, mediums calling forth the dead and things like that. Um, It's just that whereas with these mediums, you know, you're trying to harness the, the magical forces of the universe, if you will, right? That you're manipulating the spiritual realm and whatnot, whereas this one is packaged differently using technology. So it's algorithms, it's texture, it's computation and all that kind of stuff. But the basic essence is the same. And one thing that this commentator pointed out that was really insightful was this, that the purpose of technology for us is not to create a future that we know nothing about, but it'll always tend towards fulfilling some kind of an ancient wish that humans have been harboring all these years. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is what we're seeing. I mean, behind the veil of this virtual reality and all the algorithms and computation and all that kind of stuff is this sort of primal desire being fulfilled of seeing the loved ones again. You know, your yeah. family that you've lost to disease or accident or murder or whatever it is. Before we continue, a message from Andy. Hi, listeners. This is Andy Steiger. I just wanted to remind you that I have a new children's book out that I co-authored with Rachel McKenzie called What Am I Worth? You can pick it up at Amazon or ApologeticsCanada.com. As well, I have a new book coming out in September with Zondervan. The title is Reclaimed, How Jesus Humanizes in a Dehumanized World. 
As you know, we are living in a challenging time, but I believe with great opportunities for sharing the gospel. This book uniquely uses our humanity to discuss the gospel and what a life of flourishing in Christ looks like that I believe is desperately needed in our world. If you would like to learn more about this resource and help us get the word out, please consider becoming a part of our book launch team and help us get this resource into people's hands. Those that participate will get an early edition of the book and have the opportunity to learn and interact with me on its content. If you would like to participate, let us know by emailing info at apologeticscanada.com. And now, back to the podcast. Now, here's a question for you, Steve, as we get deeper into that. This is something that I think we have to think through that, you know, it could be easy just to say, oh, this VR technology, this is bad. But, you know, you can't help but ask, but what about, you know, the pictures that we take? Mm-hmm. You know, we often yep. document our lives in these sorts of ways and we take pictures of our kids because we want to remember them. And we've all had those moments where we've lost somebody special to us and we have those moments where we will create a, a photo book, Right. And we'll flip back through, you know, memory lane, right? And and remind ourselves of those past memories. Now, the question then that I'm thinking through is, well, what's the difference between taking a picture of my child and remembering them in that way versus having a, you know, VR experience with my child? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, Andy. Um, Just recently, it was Valentine's Day, right? And those listeners who know my story will know that Valentine's Days can be somewhat hard for me because that was the day that my dad passed away. And in my room under my bed, I have this little box. And um, in the box, I have different things. Like I have a picture of my dad and I also have these reading glasses that he used to carry, you know, things of that sort. Because I don't want to forget him either. And so I'll pull this box out from time to time and remember my dad by looking at his picture and the things that he used to have on him. Uh, And in fact, just before my family moved to the Edmonton area, as we were packing all of our stuff, I happened upon this picture of me and my dad from way back 20, some 25 years ago now. And it was a picture of him and me standing somewhere in the Rockies. And we took this picture together. And I broke down because as I was looking at his face in the picture, I realized, man, like I'd been, it had been so long that I almost started forgetting what he looked like, you know? Now, I suppose one major difference between the things that I have in virtual reality is that now we're making room for this kind of artificial interaction, right? I mean, the reading glasses and the picture, they don't talk back to me. They don't respond to what it is that I'm doing, all those kinds of things. Whereas in virtual reality, that is what's happening. Steve, wouldn't you also think that one of the distinguishing differences is the purpose? So, with a picture, you know, your purpose is to capture a moment Uh, Whereas with VR being used in this specific way, I think we have to clarify, the purpose isn't to try to relive a past moment in that sense, or to, sorry, to remember it. You're seeking to continue it. You're you're seeking to... Live new experiences, right? Right. And and really to pretend 
that this relationship is continuing. Because interestingly, and I think we've we've talked on this in the podcast before, that this idea isn't new. This idea is something that's been around for a couple years now because there there's a company that will, you know, if you say you lost a loved one, they'll go back through that person's uh, social media account. They'll go back through whatever they can get uh, from any writings that they've done or blogs that they've done. And then they can create for you a chat bot that you can text and interact with. Yeah, I remember right, that. That will use vocabulary and phrases, right, that are, so, that are reminiscent of that person. And again, it's this idea that you're trying to immortalize this person, really. And it's, it's interesting because it reminds me of a book that's coming out soon by a friend of ours named Clay Jones. And in fact, I was just talking with Clay, and we're going to have him on the podcast soon to talk about this new book. But the book is called Immortal, How the Fear of Death Drives Us and What We Can Do About It. And one of the topics he talks about in there is, is in a culture that fears death, in a culture that's trying to, you know, live forever, that there are these things that we'll do, such as, you know, where we've talked about Google and their, you know, their project to be able to upload your consciousness to the cloud and and those sorts of things. Now we've got these VR technologies that, you know, is allowing you to try to play pretend with dead loved ones, which really raises these fundamental questions can technology actually satisfy us and in these deep longings as you're talking about? And that's where I just saw the depth of our, you know, our brokenness in the brokenness of our situation when you see this mother and this child and her hand is going through this child. And so, you get this real sense that it's like you can live in reality or you can live in this make-believe virtual reality and raises these deep questions of our humanity going, is that going to lead to your flourishing? And clearly, you're visually seeing, no, it's not. It's not going to. But I get concerned personally because I could just imagine people flocking to this type of technology in their brokenness to try to bring some sort of comfort in the situation of death. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Andy. I mean, technology comes with that kind of a risk. I mean, technology in general, right? Not just this VR technology, but technology in general comes with risks because just by the very nature of what it is, it can be used for good or for evil. It can be used ethically or unethically. And that's why when we come to the question of human enhancement, sometimes you'll hear people talk about, okay, with this new genetic engineering technology, you know, we can fix somebody's poor eyesight right from the get-go. Okay, great. But at the same time, that same technology can be used to greatly enhance the eyesight of somebody way beyond what is normal for our species. Now, when it comes to this particular use of technology, one thing that was really concerning to me is the whole language around it. I mean, there was this language of I met you or reunion. And I mean, as one of my fellow Biola graduates pointed out, you're not re-anything, yeah. right? I mean, the mother is not being reunited with Nayan, right? That flesh and blood person of Nayan is now gone. And the kind of interaction that Ji Sung, the mother, has is with 
the image of her daughter. Yep. And now if you look at the name of the technology even, I mean, this technology is predicated on the idea that it can create a kind of reality, right? It's a virtual reality, yep. but it is a kind of a reality that it is after. And one other concern that is often brought up is, are we commodifying grief, right? Are we commodifying people's brokenness? And so, sure, you know, there may be some therapeutic uses for this kind of technology, but it's going to also have to come with some rigorous medical oversight so that we don't get into a situation where these companies are now exploiting people's brokenness and people's tragedies and grief to make money, basically. Well, that's an interesting question, Steve, that we're, you know, we've really never considered before is, for example, is this technology addictive? We don't know. Like, it is, you know, setting up these sorts of scenarios and then continuing to set up these sorts of scenarios where these companies are offering these things where you feel drawn back to to have these virtual experiences with, with for, you know, in this example, a dead loved one. But l- let me take it just a step further that I, I really want to encourage our listeners to think about. And I, I think this is one of the challenges of the 21st century that we that we have to consider is our humanity in all of this. Because in our brokenness, what I see happening with technology like this is that this becomes the therapy. So, for example, last night I was, you know, sitting with a friend and we were talking and crying and praying together as he's gone through loss, him and his wife have gone through the loss of a miscarriage and, and the loss of a child in that way. And I've had other friends through various stages, you know, who've lost children and different loved ones. You know, those are such important humanizing times when we walk with each other through pain. And you could just imagine the simplicity, though, of going, you know, you know what you need, you know, is you need a VR experience of this child that you lost or, or this husband that you lost. And instead of us doing the hard work of walking with people through those moments, right, you know, you just create an app for that. And it reminds me of, and I've talked about this before, but Sherry Turkle's book, it reminds me of her book, Reclaiming Conversation. In that book, she talks about how they were creating these baby seal robots called Pero that was used in nursing homes. And, in, and she has this epiphany moment as this elderly woman is holding this little seal and begins to tell the seal about a child that she had lost. And yet there is this, you know, group of researchers that are just watching this, you know, and taking notes. And they're amazed, you know, at this lady having this experience with the machine going, oh, you know, look how great this is. But yet, Turkle writes, you know, she says, I I felt that we had abandoned this woman, she says. She's like, I didn't find this amazing at all. And then she says, there were so many people there to help, but we all stood back, a room of spectators now only there to hope that an elder would bond with a machine. It seemed that we all had a stake in outsourcing the thing that we do best, understanding each other, taking care of each other. And uh, I, I think that that is bang on, and that's like that. That's where I see so problematic with these sites of technology. She goes on to write this, and I think this just right on point. And she says, "Now we have to ask if we become more human when we give our most human jobs away." And the answer to that is no. 
Yeah, I think that's where we see that community is so critical, right? I mean, we've mentioned this many times before on the podcast, community, 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 right? In a sense, in one sense, when we are isolated from one another and we are not in community together, our full humanity is not being realized, Right? I mean, we're meant to be with one another, spend time with one another, support one another. To cry with each other, to pray with each other, yeah, to mourn with one another. I mean, individualism is an idea, right? It's a philosophy. But that longing for belonging, if you will, is in our very nature. And so um, when we start replacing ourselves with technology, I think that becomes very problematic. Now, having said all of that, I don't want to sound like a technophobe. Right. So I want to mention a couple of things here, including one positive aspect of it. And so I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it, Andy. So I had a chance to read the mother's feedback before and after the VR experience. And so if you look at what all happened in the VR experience, you see them kind of, you know, celebrating Nyan's seventh birthday. And again, Vive Studios, they put in this tremendous kind of little details, right? Where you see Nyan drinking this seaweed soup, right? It, it turns out this was her favorite soup that, you know, her mom used to make for her when she was alive, that sort of thing. And it goes right up until bedtime, and so now Nayan is in bed, she's asleep, and the mother is saying her last words. And she says this, she says, wherever you are, I will come to you. Mommy still has things to do here, but when I'm done, I will come to you. And then afterwards, she gave this feedback too. She said, I wanted to see her even just in my dreams, but that seldom happens. In my dreams, she doesn't smile. Maybe it's my own guilt, but she always looks at me with resentment. Now I got to see her laugh and call my name. It was short-lived, but it was such a happy moment. It's like I dreamt the dream I always wanted to dream. And then she continued saying this, Rather than miss Nyan and continue in my heartache, I want to love her more deeply even as I live on laughing with my other three kids. That way... I will be able to see Nayan without any shame. So I think this apparently really did give her a chance to have some closure and things like that. So I think this kind of technology could have some real therapeutic application, right? Um, but again, we will have to make sure, I think, to have some significant oversight, very rigorous oversight medically to make sure that this doesn't become sort of a doorway for companies to exploit people's grief. And then another thing that I was thinking about was this, that, you know, there are, when we're thinking about this sort of a case, like this is a particular case, and there are certain particulars that we have to think about even as we're generalizing from it, right? And so there are things like, okay, you know, the daughter died relatively suddenly and there was leukemia involved and and the mother didn't have a chance to say a proper goodbye and all of those things. And so when we're assessing whether this is right or wrong, we need to think about the particulars, right? As much as we need to think about the general because that'll give us a clearer picture. So what are your thoughts? 
Yeah, I guess I guess Steve, I definitely think it could have therapeutic uses. I guess my concern is is in our human brokenness that we'll always take things too far. Mm. And instead of using it as a moment to have closure, I could also imagine a parent who has lost a child and maybe that was a strained relationship. And so you can almost imagine, or I can imagine, you know, this scenario where the company will give you your last moment with your child, but they'll give you the moment you want, you know, where your child is smiling and your child loves you and and everything's good. And, And again, it gets back into that world of plain pretend and you're not in reality anymore. Because the reality is that maybe you did end on a bad note with your child and maybe things weren't good and maybe you did screw up, but maybe then it's this moment where you could have a chance to say, I'm sorry at at some level, right? But I guess there's also this challenge where we're talking about two realms here. We're talking about, you know, the Christian way of understanding things versus the non-Christian way of understanding things. For us, as Christians, then we have this hope that death isn't the end. And so, these technologies then, on a Christian perspective, aren't needed. We understand we have a relationship with God, we're able to talk with God, and we have this hope that there are loved ones that we will be reunited with, and that we can talk to God about what's going on, or asking God for forgiveness of past pain with relationships and those sorts of things. And I think this is interesting, isn't it, that those are in incredibly therapeutic and helpful to our flourishing as human beings. And so, in a culture, though, that doesn't have God to lean on in those ways, this becomes their their way of doing that. Yeah, that's the ultimate therapy, isn't it? I mean, therapy really comes from the Greek word for healing. And that's the ultimate therapy and healing that uh, we as Christians are looking forward to when God has his victory because people are in right relationship with God and with one another where love is perfected. And in dealing with technology, we have to be really careful, I think, not to replace the gospel of Jesus Christ with the gospel of technology, really, the utopia that we are trying to create with technology. Because without Jesus Christ, we are all broken. And as much as technology can be used for our good, I think in our brokenness, we can and I think we will use technology to our own destruction. And so we just cannot replace the gospel of Jesus Christ with the gospel of technology and the utopia that it promises. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Thank you for joining us, listeners. The AC Podcast is a ministry of Apologetics Canada, and we will come back to you next week with more stuff to think about. Until then, ciao.